Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. So I'm here tonight with Beth, and I am very excited to hear about her new private practice and what she's been up to. So Beth, can you tell me a little bit about, before we start talking about your private practice, just about kind of your professional background in general? Sure. Um, I came to speech a little late in life. I did a, I had a whole other career for about 25, 28 years of um, in the computer business doing quality assurance. Um, and after a lot of research, I came to speech and decided that was what I was going to jump into. So I started about 13 years ago now, my journey, because I went to grad school for five years <laughs> and then um, graduated and jumped right into the schools. So I started out in elementary schools and have mostly done schools since then. That's fantastic. Very good. So, so, um, so you've done, you did had a whole nother career and yeah. then you've had speech and now you've been in speech for, I think you said 13 years. Yeah. So well, eight years practicing. Yeah. Eight years practicing. Okay. So now it seems like you're at like kind of a new career shift change something <laughs> in thinking about private practice. So how did you get to this new point? Um, I was in, uh, I started out in schools part-time and I kind of combined a couple schools and I, I always said I'd never work in one school full-time and of course I ended up doing one school full-time but and that was fine but as everyone knows um, it can be a big um, I had a huge caseload I had 90 people on my caseload and I was you know in constant meetings and constant catching up and I decided that that just wasn't the right thing for me so I actually cut I changed schools and I started doing two part-time again but even with a caseload of uh, half time at 14 kids in one school, I still find myself just always worrying about meetings and worrying about deadlines and worrying about, um, you know, making up kids that I miss in meetings. Um, and I said, and I was having, you know, I had to be there at eight, I had to leave at 3.15 and I, I, my child was like, can you pick me up? And I said, you know, no, I can't, I have to be at school till 3.15. 
So I said, I need a I need a lot more flexibility. So I decided to, um, I had a couple clients that I had part-time and I just do, right now I have three clients. Um, one that I see four and a half hours a week, one that I see once, two that I see once. Um, and that's nice. And it's, you know, the parents are very flexible. The kids are very flexible. So trying to, having to change things around is not a problem. Um, and I love the, uh, just kind of the informal piece of that. I like, you know, it's not just, you know, you got to have a lesson plan, you got to have notes taken, you have to do data, you have to, you know, do your goals and make sure you're meeting these deadlines. It's a lot less formal. I would like to make it a little more formal, but I'm still kind of in the stage of developing all that. And you've been a big help with all that, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. But so the, just having the flexibility for my family, I really wanted. I have, you know, two dogs and I hate them being in their kennels all day and, you know, just being around and trying to kind of figure out the best ways to manage both the, the workload and my life. And um, I just felt, you know, it, there's, and, and I'm just doing research and stuff. There's so many different ways that people do this job and that's very encouraging to me. And as I kind of joined the private practice group that you, know, you started, um, I learned so much from that. And I said, oh, this looks like a really viable option. Mm -hmm. So I, this year I decided I'm going to build up more and more, kind of you know, start sending things out to PD. I, I, have a, um, I have a website. Don't look at it yet. It's terrible. Um, I have postcards and I have cards. And I, um, I want to send those out to pediatricians and I want to send them out to charter schools and private schools and just not contract with the school, but maybe do a little bit, you know, a couple hours a week at a school for a guaranteed income, if you will. That sounds fantastic. So, so several things that you just said are really sticking out to me very positively. Um, one is this idea that there's lots of different ways to have a private practice, right? I think that um, most people think that a private practice is something that you do with the, you know, way end of your career after you've, you know, been practicing for a zillion years and you, you rent like an office space with multiple employees and a secretary and um, subscriptions to Highlights Magazine and, and whatnot. And, and that's definitely one way to do it. And I think that that's the way that a lot of people see as like the end all be all kind of way to do it. But there's a lot of people who are doing things on a much smaller scale and are doing their own private practices um, on the side of other jobs mm -hmm. um, in schools or in hospitals or in AI or whatever in order to make it work for their family. Right. Right. You said the word flexibility and being able to, you know, be able to pick up your daughter and whatever else. The whole reason to do private practice is to do something that works for you. Because mm -hmm. I think what a lot of us find is that, you know, there's so many limitations in schools and in hospitals and everything that we just don't have as much control Exactly. as we need to. Exactly. And so this is a way for you to be taking control um, of your life and, and what you need. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's very, very smart. Exactly. Well, and also, you know, just the point of being, of feeling ready. Like, so having been, you know, I've had uh, mostly, you know, eight years in the schools. I've done a little bit of um, skilled nursing facility stuff, which I like, but I wouldn't want to do that more. Um, but I, I worked in a collaborative, I worked in a, you know, a bunch of public schools with ages pre-K to post-grad, and I enjoyed all of them. Um, and I realized, you know, no one's really, the good part is no one's really checking up on you. You're kind of your own mm -hmm. person, you kind of can make your job the way you want it to be. And you don't have to be necessarily, you know, you don't have to submit lesson plans. You don't have to write the perfect progress note. 
Um, and you know, I try to do the best I can, but it's, I've realized that there's a huge um, variance with, with uh, expectations. Yeah. And then, so, and just to kind of make it more real in my head, I, I started working at a private practice on Saturdays, an established private practice that's got PTOT and speech. And they, um, I wanted to kind of see how that was run and see if it was, you know, am I, am I, am I selling myself short? Am I, you know, do I need to shoot higher? Do I need to be more professional? Do I need to do all this stuff that I think I need to be ready to be starting my private practice? And, you know, come to find out, nope, already doing just fine. <laughs> I love it. So I was, I was very encouraged to see that. Yeah. You know, even the document, they, they take insurance, which I'm not sure I'm ready to take that yet. But, yeah. um, but even that, you know, it's, it's a lot more, it's not as rigorous as I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so I, I think that's great too, right? Sometimes we want to see um, like kind of what the next step is or what other people are maybe doing. And so I, I think a lot of people do that, right? That you say, well, let me, let me test the waters yeah. by maybe not doing my own private practice yet, but doing someone else's. And yeah. I, I think you can really learn a lot from that. And some of it, it sounds like what you found was confirming that what you were doing, you were on the right track in yeah. certain things. Yeah. And then you also might have learned things that are like, well, I don't quite want to do it that way. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I think that there's a lot of learning that comes from exposure to other practices. And, you know, sometimes it comes from working in one, sometimes that comes from, you know, getting to know people um, in the SLP private practice beginners Facebook page or mm -hmm. other um, places just to see kind of what the options are. Exactly. Um, I want to go back real quick to something you said even earlier, which is that first of all, I promise I won't go to your website um, <laughs> until you say you until know. we get permission and, and you say that you're ready and everything. But but I want to um, stress the importance of starting a website before you're really ready or yeah. before like just committing to registering a domain name mm -hmm. and putting something on a page that has like your, your picture and contact information and even just bare bones information about your services. And the reason for that is because it takes a long time for Google to index websites. Oh, okay. And so if you wait until you're ready to be found by internet traffic and you say, okay, well, I'm not really ready for that. So I'm going to wait until, you know, the first of next month, you know, to launch my website. And then you launch your website. You first of all spend like a gazillion hours on it and you, you then you, you tweak things and tw whatever. And then you finally are ready and then you launch your website and then nothing happens. And then a month goes by and you're nothing happens. And maybe even two months go by and you're not getting any website traffic and you start freaking out. What's the problem? My website's broken. I did something wrong or whatever. And it's really not that it's that Google takes a long time to index websites. Oh, yeah. so you did the absolute right thing, which is to get something, even if it's not up to your, you know, standards yet, yeah, <laughs> you've got something funny. on the internet <laughs> for, yeah. for the Google spiders to start, you know, crawling and whatnot, um, and to be indexing your site. So I think that it's perfectly fine and actually recommended to get just something up and then you can, cause no one's going to see it. Believe me, when you, right. when you first put that website up, it's not going to get traffic. So you might as well play with it, play with the colors, play with the fonts, blah, blah, blah. Okay, um, but over time it will start to get traffic and that can become a fantastic source of referrals because 
those are the people who are looking for services, okay. right? So um, there's one, one thing I like to, to teach people um, is that when you're trying to market your services, which is the next thing I want to talk about, but I'm already on this roll, so I guess I'll just keep going, um, <laughs> is to say that there are three things that you need to do to help marketing. And the first thing, um, I call this the FAR framework, so F-A-R. The first thing you need to do is to increase your findability. Okay. Okay, so findability is things like um, websites. You know, if someone is searching for services, you want them to find you. Yeah. They can't find you if you're not online. Right. Findability, the F in the FAR framework, is the low-hanging fruit. Okay. These are the easy finds. These are people who are actively looking for services, throw up a website and grab these people. Okay. Okay. Um, letter number two is A for awareness. So awareness is about building up awareness of your private practice in your local community with other therapists that you might run into. Just, you know, um, from putting up, you said something about flyers, right? That you were like mailing out postcards and whatnot. So that would fall under the awareness category of like the people who you send those flyers to are not actively looking for you, right? right. You're making them aware yeah. of you by sending out these postcards, okay? Um, putting up um, like a little flyer at the library or yeah. doing like a health fair or whatnot, th that all counts as awareness. Okay. Um, the last thing in the FAR framework is the R and that stands for relationships relationships are the relationships that you have developed with clients. Yep. There are relationships that you have developed with other SLPs, with other rehab professionals, with um, people maybe who work at the charter school that yep. you mentioned. And if you don't have, or pediatricians, if you don't have relationships with these people, you want to start making a list of people who you do want to have relationships yeah. with and then slowly figure out how to establish relationships with them and and build them and then maintain them okay so as you're 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 going along and you have it sounds like three clients right yeah beautiful okay so you have your three clients and maybe for now anyway three clients is great yeah that's all right that may that's all you need but if you if one of those people gets discharged yeah. and you're looking to replace them um or if something in your schedule changes and you have more time and you're looking to fill more slots be thinking about findability, awareness, and relationships, and how you can work all three of those angles to try to get more people. Okay, that's great. I like those tips a lot. Um, yeah, and that's going to happen because it's um, I my my plan is over April break. I want to start you know putting my list together and getting um, you know either the pediatricians' names and things like that, but just you know getting my mailing list together where I'm going to be. Uh, getting awareness for us. <laughs> Beautiful. It's actually, but um, what's interesting though, because when I first, first started <clears throat> thinking about getting clients, I just made one of those tear off flyers. Uh -huh. And I actually, it's one of those things I could share. Actually, it came Beautiful. out, I put it, I basically put it in, I think three places, my daughter's daycare. Yeah. Um, and maybe, where else? I don't remember, I two other places, but I got, I, I got the two of the clients that I have through that and, and awesome. a couple of their, I know and a couple of the phone calls and you know at one point I put up and I put up a new flyer I think in a gym and I look at it and I tore off a couple of things to yeah. make it, like other people have wanted to see me too <laughs> I love that that's a great strategy right you got to look like in demand a little bit exactly. you don't want to be like the first one yeah. great I love it 
<laughs> so that's smart, right? So you're so what you did either consciously or subconsciously was think, where am I going to put these flyers where people who might need my services are going to see them, mm-hmm. right? And yep. so definitely people at the daycare, right? People with kids, yep. and then also parents yep. at the gym. And where else do parents go? Uh, coffee shops, because yeah. they're tired, or at least yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. Um, you know, you got a, a toy stores yeah. are also a good place to put them up. Any kind of like a parenting center, like a um, you know, I don't like a child center, a YMCA, yeah. any any place where you know, especially if you want to work with kids, obviously kids kind of congregate. Um, put up the flyers in those places. That's those a great, are great places. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, okay. So, so for right now, the three clients is pretty good for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause one of them is four and a half hours a week. So yeah. And that's fantastic. When you can in their private pay. Yes. Beautiful. Actually, Beautiful. no, the one is through a school and it's through a school. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, so where do you see yourself? Oh, sorry. One, before I get into that question, where are you seeing the clients? Uh, in uh, one at daycare and mm-hmm. two at their houses. Beautiful. Yeah. That's another smart thing to do is just start off in their houses, easy, rent yeah. free. Yeah, no, I know I don't worry about what's behind me if I'm on anything. Exactly. Nothing's cleaned up around here, so I'm not I'm zoned for that. So I don't know if I could do that. But. Well, that's an important thing too, is right making sometimes people want to have practices in their homes and then they go to their town and it turns out they can't yeah. really do that. Um, make sure you're deducting your miles. Okay. Right. Okay. If you haven't been doing that, it's really easy to just go to your calendar or whatever and, and do um, to and from um, your house to their house or wherever your origin is. So yeah. like, let's say the school that you were working at to little Johnny's house okay. and then to your house. Okay. Or if you um, need to go pick up new, um, I don't know, office supplies right at office depot or staples or whatever, you know, again, it's either from your house to staples to home or school to staples to home. Oh yeah. That, that can really add up. So when you're doing home visits, you definitely want to do that. Okay. Will that continue even after next year? Well, that's an interesting thing. We're, yeah. we're going to have to see all kinds of changes uh, with, yeah. with the government. Um, I, th- I think we're all just going to have to see. <laughs> um, my next question is, where do you see yourself in like six to 12 months? Um, oh, good. I thought you were going to say years. <laughs> no, no, not years. Not, we're, we're not thinking quite that long term yet. The next, you know, kind of a, if we were going to be good SLPs, what would your like, uh, I don't know, midterm goal be, I guess. Yeah. So my, um, uh, in the next Six months, I will that'll be pretty much end of the summer, right? Um, I'm, yeah. I plan on being, uh, so my I'm going to be doing half the time at my private nonprofit school. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, because that's kind of a guaranteed income, mm-hmm. and a guaranteed salary. And then the other half the time I want to do the private practice. So, yeah, so I'm, um, you know, I'm a little nervous because I want to get, I want to generate all that, get it into place. And that's why I've been asking about telepractice also, because I wasn't yeah. sure if that was something that was going to be a viable option. But I, but I had, like I said, I, my, my experience wasn't positive. So mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I got the job, but I didn't have a caseload by the end of September. Yeah. So I had to finally say, ah, oh, mm-hmm. mind. I have to go get some income. And, and, 
and jumped off that ship and went into going into a school. So that was a little disappointing. It's been nice to see people, you know, with different companies or even starting their own and how they navigated those waters and managed to build a business out of that. But yeah. that makes me a little more nervous. I'm a little bit less comfortable with that. Well, that, that is a little bit trickier only because it's still a new service delivery model that people are still figuring out. Um, if you could possibly try to find people who are already comfortable with that, right? So if there are already schools, for example, that are using telepractice, but maybe aren't going to be doing that over the summer, or if there are homeschool people who are homeschool or charter school or whatever who are used to doing online platforms, that's also easier. <clears throat> that's good idea. Um, the thing about telepractice is that I think people are becoming more comfortable with with technology and realizing that you can still get benefit. You know, like you don't have to be with someone as long as it's not something that requires a physical exam. Exactly. You know, you, you can actually make really good progress with people. You know, there are some other things like age, you know, I think there's probably, you know, a lower end of the age bracket that you really can't do telepractice with. Yeah. Um, but last night, and um, hopefully you'll get to hear this interview soon. I, I did um, an interview with a woman who was in Bali. <laughs> yeah. She was in Bali. It was really cool. Um, yeah. Doing telepractice to California. Yeah. She's totally living the dream. It's, it's incredible. Um, so I can't wait to share uh, Michelle's interview, but anyway, she, um, she's doing it mostly to, uh, to schools in, in, in her case, California, you could do this in Massachusetts or anywhere, you know, that you were licensed. Um, but to schools that are already kind of used to that model, Okay. The whole thing with telepractice is you have to sell the benefits, right? What is the benefit of doing telepractice? And the benefit is that par- parents anyway, you don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. Right. Therapy comes to you. Mm-hmm. Little Johnny can be having his speech therapy session while mom is making dinner. Okay. Or, or, you know, mom um, is home doing homework with the other kids Yep. while little Johnny is having his session. It's one house. less place. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. It's, it's one less place for parents to go. Um, okay. They also, um, but, but sometimes the parents are involved though, right? Depending on the age of the kid, yeah. you actually want the parents to be present, maybe, you know, kind of just off camera or whatever to be, you know, facilitators or to help out as part of the session. And it's actually, um, Michelle was explaining last night that the, um, the parents then become a really cool, um, collaborator with you in therapy that you don't necessarily get that right in like regular schools. Mm -hmm. So you might get that when you're doing home visits, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're doing your, your therapy session, you know, at the kitchen counter or whatever, mom might, you know, be there and be helping too. But it's, it's really nice for clinicians who are trying to get a stronger, um, I don't know if bond is the right word, but you know, um, input from parents to really help with like generalization and carryover and education. So So those, she, she do schools or does she do homes? She well, she does uh, both. She does schools and she has people who are at homes. Yeah, so you can you can do both. You just have to find people who are either already comfortable with that technology, or who can be easily sold on it for the benefits of. You mean I don't have to leave my house? That's a great point. Yeah, that's terrific. 
Yeah. So those are good things to think about. So yeah, I think it's totally reasonable for you to think that by the end of summer, you know, also don't forget as someone who works with kids, like try to capture people who need therapy services over the summer and can't get them. Right. And that's when, that's when my Jungian piece is going to, I want to play up a lot because I feel like the, the reading services in schools are so lacking that if I can hook them in in the summer, then I might be able to keep them on all year, you know, in whatever capacity. And generally, you know, those people are very reliable and they're always around. They, you know, you have to do it at least once a week to maintain any, any kind of progress. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a good, I feel like it's a good starting point to get them to talk to them during summer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that that's an important hook too, to, that you could even use in your marketing that says something like, you know, don't go without reading help over the summer or don't lose ground. You know, I don't entirely know what words to use, but, but something like that, that's not necessarily like, we're not looking to like scare people or anything, but we're just trying to be, you know, realistic in terms of, you know, we know that when kids go without therapy, um, they tended to, you know, backslide or certainly not make progress during that time. So how can you keep your kid, um, you know, with, with uh, regular therapy, even though they're in, you know, summer camps or, you know, you could even, um, why don't you try to find people who are like vacationing in Martha's Vineyard or something for the summer? (laughs) How cool would that be? It's a great idea. Well, you know, I was was also thinking I could, I could even think, um, I could kind of tap into the whole book, like the summer reading requirements Mm -hmm. that they have and and say, I can help you with that by having your kid read with me, you know, while we're doing our killing him. Yes, because guess what parents hate is summer reading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's a very smart idea. I like that angle. Good for you. I love it. I like the more opinion angle. Yeah, because right, they're vacationing, but they're still in Massachusetts, so you're so good. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Um, okay, let's see. What um, I skipped one question, which um, you kind of already answered, so maybe we'll just kind of let that one. Oh, here we go. Um, if you had um to give yourself advice like you know you beth six months ago or you know i don't know a year ago when you were kind of maybe just starting this journey what advice would you give to yourself now what have you learned now that you wish you had known before um grad school doesn't prepare you for real life it prepares you for the the knowledge base but the actual application of work is completely different than what they describe it, or if, if they describe it. My grad school wasn't, it was great, but it didn't describe it. They gave us examples like, oh, when you go out, you can work for EBS or you know, work for a contracting agency. And I don't know anybody that works for a contracting agency for full-time, but it's, you know, it's just so different. And then um, if, you are, if you're frustrated, go someplace else. You know, there's such a need for us. Um, and if, if, I should say, they won't work with you. You know, if, you, if you're frustrated, go tell them that you're frustrated. What can they do about it? And then if it doesn't go anywhere, then leave. Because it's, you know, you can find a job the next day, basically. And, and, um, and there's, and no one, I never knew about collaboratives before. I found out about that kind of by accident. And that's a great um, other uh, venue to try as far as, you know, services go. And it, that was eye-opening because you got a really concentrated, team of people working on children you know and you you did you had a very low caseload and got to work with ot's and pt's directly and it was it just felt like the right level of service 
And so when I went back to school after going to the elementary schools after working in collaboratives, I found it, it's just so lacking. You know, you here, how can I do that level of service with 70 or 90 kids? You can't. And even when you have a low caseload, you, you barely get to do that level of service. Um, and you know, it just feels like schools are underserving. Definitely. I have a, I have a, um, so now I have the flip side where I'm working in a private school that has nine kids and I'm, I can only be there half time. I can't be there full time. So wait a time. The, the private school has nine kids, nine kids. Okay. Continue. <laughs> so I can't be there more than half, more than half the time because, um, it's a, um, department of education school, no real school. So they say, you don't need that many services. So I, I actually, in my, in my, um, school with the nine kids, I actually fight to do things because I, I, I start out doing a lot of things and then it's taken over by the teachers or it's taken over by someone else. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, whereas before you couldn't do enough. And now I, you know, now I mean, you, you could never get to the point of giving the level of service. And now I almost give them too many services. You know, it's like, I need to do, I want to be, you know, I want to, I want to do bigger projects because they're middle school kids. So I want to do like fundraising and I want to do, um, we did a, you know, setting up a Halloween, um, a haunted house, you know, so we posters, you know, it was all, and it's a very project based thing, yeah. but other people tend to do it. So I'm like, you know, Hey, give me something to do. <laughs> yeah. I can do this. Yeah. I'll That's awesome. So I'm working on social skills now, which is great. But, but it's nice because I have the I have the time to do it. So I feel like you need to be your own champion. Yeah, mm -hmm. I need to say like when I first started in the elementary schools, I wanted to do after after the, after the collaborative, I wanted to do AAC, and because mm -hmm. I had so much experience with them there. And the schools need, they obviously have kids that need it. Mm -hmm. Every school does, and they got no attention whatsoever. So at my first year I said, I, you know, I really want to do AAC, but I can't do it with 70 kids. So I need, you know, get me help and then I'll do it before I can't do it this year. So that year I didn't do it. The next year I said, I want to do AAC. So they said, okay. So that I just, on my own, I said, okay, four days a week I'm working with the, the language kids and one day a week I'm working with AAC. So I set it up myself and, you know, as much as I could, but yeah. I just, I said, that's what I'm doing. So then I was able to go to all the schools and work with all the kids and I got tons of referrals and it was such a rewarding thing. Um, and unfortunately I had to leave there, but you know, if, if you see a niche, you have to just go for it because no one's going to say no. Well, they might say no, but most people won't say no. Well, and, and that's, that's a super important piece of advice, right? You, you've seen different areas and you've gone for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's really important. I mean, that's what, you know, as clinicians and as, you know, speech pathologists, we're tend to not be business minded. Right. And I, I wasn't, believe me, this is something really? that I have completely evolved into that is as shocking to me, like <laughs> as anyone, but you know, here I am. That's great. Um, but this, this is how business works, right? You see um, a void in the market and you fill it. Yeah. That at a, at a basic level, that's what business is. You see, you know, a space and you fill a need yep. and if a need exists and people are willing to pay for the services or to pay for whatever the product or service is, then you win. That's how the whole thing works, yeah. right? Yeah. If, you, if you have an interest and you try to fill a need, but the need isn't there, mm -hmm. then 
your business isn't going to work. Right. Right. Cause there's, there's no way to sustain it if there's not a real need. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is where I'm kind of coming from this at this um, telepractice angle in terms of selling the services. If people are going to go without either because they've got busy, you know, after school lives or they're going to be in Martha's Vineyard for the summer. Yeah. How can you bridge a gap and fill a need so that these, you know, kids don't go without services, yeah. right? It's not that the parents yeah. don't want the kids to have services over the summer or in the afternoons. It's that they can't quite figure out how to make it work. Exactly. So if yeah, you present awesome. a solution, yeah. then they, they're, you know, willing to take it because they didn't even know that was a thing. Oh my goodness, this is great. How can we sign up for you, Beth? This yeah. is great. That's so so keep thinking about that in, and especially, you know, you, I love the idea of reading help around summer reading. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I like your Martha's being, that's a great, no, I, great points. And I, and I, um, that's another thing that you just mentioned is, you know, if you, it's good to have a niche, like if mm -hmm. being a generalist is exhausting, you know, yeah. oh, look, I have a stuttering kid. Oh, I gotta go learn about the stuttering again. Cause I forgot everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a selective mutism again. I don't remember a thing about that either. So yeah, it, or you know, cracks. It, it's like every one of them is dense, yeah. and it's it's so hard to just. Um, I mean, it's fun because mm -hmm. you're always learning, but it's it can be exhausting. And it's nice to know, oh, these people can come to me if I know about stuttering. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, and they're gonna want to come to you because you can help them. Yes. Right. This is the, the issue that, you know, I, um, I was kind of a generalist for a while and cause I, I, you know, I liked everybody and I wanted to help everyone, you know, natural helping people person. I don't want to turn anyone away. And then, you know, my, the very first private client I had was a kid with autism. And I, I said yes, cause I felt like I could help them, but it really wasn't my bag. Right. Yeah. I'm much more of an adult person. Oh. Um, and once I was like, you know, I, that was a good experience. I'm really glad that I did that. I felt like I did help that child, but I felt out of my comfort zone and it really wasn't something I was going to seek out in the yeah. future. Right. So if you have, you know, a background in reading and you have, you know, you know, certifications and Orton Gillingham or whatever else, like use that. Yeah. Use that. That's what you're good at. That's what you like, you know, go, go deep versus going wide on that. Yeah. And if you, if you could become, you know, the, the person who, you know, the reading special or, you know, the, the, you know, doing with work with reading and you'll go to kids' houses after school via the internet, yeah. like you could really develop a name for yourself. And it totally lends itself to the telepractice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got me thinking. A lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot to think about. So, so I, you know, I am really, really excited for you because you have just transformed yourself. This is your third transformation in your life, right? Software, um, regular schools with like a little stint and a sniff or whatever. And now it's like, no, I'm going to take control yes. of my life and I'm going to do what's going to work for my family. Um, and you can definitely keep some of these other jobs for more steady income. I think that's an absolutely wonderful thing to do. And you should do that for as long as you want to knowing that you can have your own small, successful private practice on times, you know, days and times that work for you. Yeah, exactly. I love it. You're so, you're so inspirational. <laughs> oh, 
Well, thank you. Like, like I said, I think that people like, I'm a, a really like quiet, introverted kind of a person. Like it's kind <laughs> of amazing to me that, uh, that all this stuff is kind of built up around me. Cause it's not really my personality to be, you know, out there like in the spotlight or whatever else. So I try to stay as quiet behind the scenes as possible, but I, I'm really trying to highlight for people that there are just a lot of different ways to help people. Yeah. And it's not just helping the clients. That's a big part of it because right. that's what we all feel very strongly about, that we want to be able to do our best work. And we can't always do our best work in schools with caseloads of 90 or in hospitals with productivities of 100% or or whatever. But so that's one aspect is we want to help you know, our, our patients, our clients, their families, but we also want to help ourselves. Exactly. And I, I think that we tend, this profession tends to attract people who are very selfless, yeah. right? And are, who are willing to work hard and sacrifice um, uh, control and income and all those things for the good of our patients. And yeah. I, I'm, you know, I think that's wonderful. But after a while, you kind of be, you're kind of get to a point where you're like, you know, but, but what about me and my family too? Exactly. Well, and I find, you know, I, I'm sure for a lot of people, th I'm, I thankfully was able to get out of grad school without new loans because I mm -hmm. worked almost the entire time up until my internship, my internships. But, you know, so many people come out of school with a lot of loans yeah. and they feel they have to have a guaranteed income and schools are attractive because it's, you know, the money's okay, mm -hmm. but you get the pension and all that. Um, but it's, I think the risk of being in private practice is, you know, you may not make that much money until you get your feet, you know, under you. But, you know, if you, if, and plus it, you know, a lot of times it's better to have some experience in schools or with yeah. elementary school kids or, you know, and I know some telepractice companies require you to work in an elementary school first. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's, it's nice to see that there's a, not a long path to, the flexibility of a private practice and that there, you can do it so many different ways. That's the fun part. Like you said, you don't have to have a you know, brick and mortar building that you have your sign outside and you have to know exactly what all the materials are already there and you know exactly what to do with the parents waiting room, you know, all of that stuff. There's so much to think about when you think about it like that. But if you can just break it down into a client at a time and then maybe you can have them come to your house after a while or maybe you want to get an office or share an office with someone or, you know, there's, again, there's so many different ways to do it. Like I, I, I sweat when I think about um, paying money for office space. Like mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And anything, Beth, anything that makes you sweat th that you that you didn't mean to, you know, like cardio or something, <laughs> um, <laughs> is wrong. Yeah. You know, is or is not right for you right, right. now. Right. Anyway, right. Not that it's wrong in general, but it's just not right for you right now. So, and it may, it may be, let's say, you know, we, we touch base again in six months or a year. And I mean, you're, you're, whether it's telepractice or, you know, in people's homes or whatever is going gangbusters and you're like, whoa, Jen, I found this shared office space or I found this small office in town and I can afford it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm gonna, I'm about to go get my keys, yeah. you know? Like that could totally happen. So, so be open to that possibility. Yeah. No, I definitely am. It's just like I said, I, I just kind of want to have, I mean, the, the private pay is just so attractive because it's just here, I can cash this check and it's already, it's already I can yeah. spend it right away. I don't have to pay any bills. Um, exactly. But yeah, honestly, you should coach. 
Yeah. You should be a job coach for this. Seriously. Well, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm just, a, I, I've been so lucky to have found a profession that I love, right? To be able to, to help, you know, I love, you know, I love people with aphasia. I love people um, with cognitive deficits. Those are, those are my people. Um, and I also um, do some clinical instruction. So I also, you know, I, I work with graduate students and okay. I teach an undergraduate class. So I also um, like to help, you know, students who are just kind of learning about this. And then I love helping my fellow SLPs, right? So I love helping people you know, who are fellow private practitioners who are either at the starting or growing stages of private practice. So I've been, you know, I got into this whole thing thinking I was only going to help patients. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden my world sort of expanded and I, I, opportunities came along that I didn't anticipate and didn't plan for. And even though it was uncomfortable, um, I decided to say yes to certain things and um, my whole life has changed as a result. That's wonderful. So, so I really, um, I urge people to, um, even if you're uncomfortable to, to think about saying yes to things, um, if you know in your heart it's the right thing to do, even if your mind is like, well, I don't know about, you know, but what if, but what if, what if, because you can get so trapped in analysis paralysis that then yeah. you don't do anything. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's not. Um, so you didn't you didn't create all this on your own, like you did. Wasn't but you did right? But you said you're saying yes to something. So did you? Oh, so saying so like when I had an opportunity to so at the the hospital that I worked at, um, I worked at Spalding Rehab Hospital. Oh yeah. And I had um, coworkers who saw um, private clients. They had their own private practices. I didn't even realize they were doing that. Oh. And then they. Um, they worked part-time with me and part-time at the hospital. And, you know, one of them said, you know, you know, Jenna, what about, what about you? What if, you know, do you want to start seeing some clients? And I was like, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> you know, I, at that point I was, I was young. I had only maybe had my C's for about two years. And so I also thought private practice was, you know, 20 years away or something. I, I kind of knew I wanted to do that, but not for like a long time. And so I was like, well, I don't know. Like, do you think I'm ready? I don't know. I've never really thought about that. Yeah. So it took about six months of learning and researching and thinking about it and having opportunities come to, for patients who said, you know, oh, you know, can I um, do you um, see clients and being discharged or, you know, other, you know, professionals would want to refer to me. And I was like, I don't really know. So I said no to several people before I finally said yes. And after I said yes, they, they just kept coming. Oh, that's great. And it was amazing. And then after, you know, years of doing that, I then also had an opportunity to, to add um, some work at Emerson College. So I, I kind of added that. Um, so now I'm balancing and I have two little kids and I'm married and I, I don't sleep much. I don't know. I just, <laughs> no, it doesn't seem like you do. I don't You're sleep. You're very responsive too. <laughs> I, do, I do lots of um, things. And for me, like, I love it. Yeah. I love being able to do all of these different things, help all these different people. And, you know, I'm also helping myself and helping my family. And I think that that's, you know, the, the best thing we can do, right, is to, to help others, including ourselves and our families. Yeah, and there's such a need for it. Any, any speech therapist you talk to could, you know, there's things you can talk about that are in common or things that are a little bit different that they'll go, oh, 
I didn't know you could do that type of thing, like you said. Exactly. I mean, I've learned so much just from talking. I, I met somebody the other day, and I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of a neat thing. Maybe I'll get in touch with them about that. Like, I always feel like we should have groups where we collaborate, you know, on a regular basis, like just local or online or whatever. Where do you live? Definitely. I live, I live in Newton. Oh, okay. I grew up in Wellesley. Yeah, see? Next door. <laughs> not, not too far down the road. No. Awesome. Well, I, I am just so grateful for, um, for you sharing your, your, you know, your time and your information and your story. Okay. And I, I, I hope that we can check in with each other. I know we'll, well, we'll see each other online in the group and everything, but you know, let's keep in touch over. I can't wait to hear about how you're going to serve these kids in Martha's Vineyard over the summer. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, it's going to be good. Sending clients my way. But. I will send anyone your way that I hear of. Um, <laughs> Thank you but, so much. I really appreciate it. It's been really, it's been a lot of fun and I really appreciate all your support and your help and your responsiveness online and everything. So absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of private practice success stories. I hope that you were impressed, inspired, and are ready to take action. Speaking of which, do you need help starting your private practice or taking it to the next level? Then join the private practice solution. Inside of our exclusive members area, you'll discover fabulous time-saving resources that will help you be the successful private practitioner you've always wanted to be. There's also a vibrant community of smart clinicians working together to help more people while making more money. If you're looking for step-by-step -step resources, member discounts, and a supportive community of like-minded people, Consider this your invitation to join us. So go ahead and sign up now at www.theprivatepracticesolution.com. See you in the members area. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.